When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. All right, we've got Greg Roberg here back uh, with us on uh, Moving Iron Podcast here from Ag Direct. And Greg, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, Chief. How are you? Chief's had on this big win for Chief, baby. Big, big game. Super happy. Um, now it was a good game. Watched that. I, I was expecting to see a pretty good game, and that's what we got. So it was a pretty evenly matched game back and forth there. So I like yeah. when it goes like that. Yeah. Well, fun. Absolutely. So, Greg, let's talk a little bit about um, what's going on over at AgDirect, man. All right. Well, uh, just wanted to say, uh, you know, coming off a pretty good January, not as good as the last couple of years. I uh, kind of expected that. And this flipped some uh, lower inventory levels. We're hearing out in the market that dealers are starting to get a little bit more inventory from the manufacturers. So, February is going a little bit better. Uh, interest rates, obviously, are a hot topic. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, we've seen three to four percent increase in rates so over a year. That's I've been at this over twenty years and never seen that before. Mm-hmm. So they're all kind of trying to adjust to the new normal. Fed raised rates here uh, early February, February first. They meet again until the first twenty second of March, yep. and then they take April off, come back in May. So everyone's kind of expecting another quarter of March, and 
going to see with Matrix. Um, some good news, though, is, is, is Ag Direct lowered their rates on Monday and okay. so, uh, fixed rates. So, in a position to do that, so I think dealers are going to find that Ag Direct is, is more back in the game than we have been for a while. So, not to, to bore all the listeners with how we get our money, but Ag Direct gets its money through the bond market. So, what that means is it's when the Fed meets and raises rates for the first ones up, but when rates start kind of plateauing or leveling out or even going down, we're the first ones that can make an adjustment. So we're in position of lower rates, and uh, we really hope that dealers and producers uh, take advantage of that. Because right now, fixed rates are uh, kind of the name of the game. They're actually lower. Fixed rates are seven-year rates lower than our variable rate, which yeah. is just kind of sign the times, which is um, kind of extraordinary. Yep. Yeah. yeah, no, I'll tell you what, the uh, the interest rate thing has, like you like you just said, we've seen 3 to 4% increase over this year and, and what that looks like and how that's affecting the marketplace. Um, Greg, as you talk to your dealers out there, what are they telling you and, and, and what are you seeing out there as far as, um, I guess, you know, we saw a big run up in, in inventory and those kind of, or decrease in inventory um, last year. And we're starting, like you said, we're starting to see a little bit show back up on the lots here. Not a bunch, but... Um, Funny conversation I have with the guy the other day. You know, he was all panicky about uh, what what he was going to do with all this inventory, and and I said, "How long have you had it?" And he said, "Well, I've had it for about a couple weeks." And I'm like, <laughs> "Got to calm down here. I mean, you, you're going from selling everything as fast as you can to now it's on your lot for two weeks, and you're panicking. So you're starting yeah. to see some of that. That I don't know what's the best way to put that, but a little bit of a anxiety. Anxiety. There you go. Anxiety in the marketplace because of, of what you're seeing. So I guess some of the conversations you're having, Greg, are you, are you seeing a similar thing? And do you have, do you see some panic out there a little bit with, with these dealers you're talking with? Uh, or anxiety, I guess, is probably the better word to use. Well, yeah, probably when we hear more to do <coughs> inventory because there's plenty of buyers. There's a lot of cash on the market. Sure. And speaking uh, through the Midwest, rent prices have been strong for the last couple of years. And so our biggest competitor in Ag Direct, and I imagine a lot of lenders would say it's cash. You know, yeah. particularly up to maybe 150, 200,000, a lot of folks are just writing checks. And it's true cash purchases. You start getting over 200,000, you know, half a million or more, there's some financing. Whether they finance all of that or half of that, that's where a lot of folks are still borrowing some money. Yeah. Um, so, you know, lenders are, you know, have different programs to Instead, salespeople or in simple dealership. And so when customers write checks for cash, um, you know, that's a good indication that there's financial health out there in, in the farms, but that could kind of disrupt some different programs and, and targets that dealers are trying to hit. So with all that said, I think with more financing here as things kind of settle out with uh, crop prices come down just a little bit, uh, increases in new equipment, which drives used equipment. I think we'll see some more financing. Biggest question we hear then is, well, I've got guys that traded me two or three years. I don't know how they can afford the next one. And so we're starting to hear more about leasing. Yeah. And the majority of leasing that AgDirect does is what we call lease to home. And so the residuals are higher, so the payments are lower. So you can you know, make your cash flow work better. And our lease is very flexible, which means you can trade out of that equipment during the lease and uh, with no penalties. You know, but if you let it go to the end, you got to either buy it or trade it. So it's not a walkaway lease, it's a lease at home. But it makes it it's a lot more affordable, KC. And so that's the most popular lease we have at Ag Direct. Uh, it's 80% of the leasing that we do. 
is at least one. And so a lot of sales people are saying uh, that might make sense for, you know, some of my farmers are coming in and saying, hey, I want to trade, but I got a little sticker shock. Yeah. Yeah, that was my next question for you was was about the leasing and what you see happen there because I've seen more people start talking about the payment structures that they're looking at and yeah. how they flow together and and that's where leasing really shines is when you start looking at payment structures and developing that 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 uh that payment uh, and how it goes through the uh, the life cycle there and cash flow and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, cash flow is a You know, when we have opportunity to talk to actual producers, uh, we try to coach them, educate them that. You know, sometimes writing a check, particularly for a hundred thousand plus, isn't always the best idea. Maybe, maybe finance half of that protect working capital, mm-hmm. because a farmer, the farming cyclical, yep. and uh, there's good years followed by some tougher years. And working capital is so important to get through some of these tough years. Um, you know, we're talking about rates. I just want to quick mention: Ag Direct doesn't have any prepayment penalties, so that's something for your listeners to think about. Uh, you know, right now. Our rates are going to be the our three year is the same rate as our seven year, so the, the yield curve is very very flat. It's inverted, meaning variable money is more expensive than seven year money, but three to seven year money right now is about the same. Yeah. So if folks are looking for cash flow, I'd say look at our six or seven year rate because it's really competitive, and you can pay that off at any time without a penalty. So there's some options. You know, we hang our hat on ag direct being simple, fast, flexible. I think right now, um, flexibility and being able to make decisions for your own operations. Yeah, right on. Well, well, Greg, good talk here, man. I really appreciate you coming on. If folks want to reach reach out to AgDirect and and get more information about what you guys are doing, what's the best way to do that? Uh, Two best ways. Either go to agdirect.com to see our rates. Uh, You also can go uh, see our rates and do some payment calculations on AgDirect Mobile which you can just download for free, or we'd love to hear from you. Call us at 888-525-9805, and uh, somebody will answer the phone and get you taken care of. Right on, Greg. Greg, I appreciate you being on, man. Take care of yourself. Hey, good to see you. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Uh, this edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by AgDirect. It's built for today's agriculture with simple applications, quick response, competitive rates, and generous, flexible terms. AgDirect offers buy, lease, and refinance options on almost all types of new news equipment, non-recourse and timely funding back to your dealership, plus sales incentives. No other ag equipment lender works like AgDirect. Learn more about by calling your AgDirect territory manager at 888-525-9805 or visit us at agdirect.com. I've got Tanner Amkey on here back from <clears throat> back from Cobank. He's back on for his monthly chat. So, Tanner, how you doing, man? Doing all right. Good to be back, Casey. Good, man. I'm glad to have you back. So we got, I think, a couple big things I think that are worth, that are notable to talk about, all kind of hovering around uh, the economy, what we see happen there. One is we had some fireworks on the uh, on the inflation rate that came out here uh, last week, yeah. kind of talked about what we yes. saw there. And uh, with your expertise being, uh, being in dairy, I want to hit on that a little bit, too. So let's start with interest rates first, uh, interest rates and uh, inflation rates, what that looks like. So we had inflation rate come out and it was down from where it was in December, but the big, the big to do was the inner month growth in inflation. And just previous to that report coming out, uh, the fed had come back and they said, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to raise a quarter rate, kind of feel where we're at, kind of readjust and see where we're looking and see what's going on. Well, I think they got a pretty good picture of what they're taking a look at here. So Tanner, I guess what's your response to that and, and how do you see this moving forward? 
Well, the number this morning, uh, six and a six point four percent, was quite a bit higher than what the market had been anticipating, and I'm sure that's probably a lot higher than what the Federal Reserve had been anticipating. Because, as you mentioned there, uh, Casey, the uh, the intermonth uh, increase was uh, by quite a bit, is uh, half a percentage point, and that was up from the December uh, increase, which was one uh, percent. Uh, and that had been the lowest since uh, for a few months. It had been steadily coming down uh, the last several months, uh, showing steady progress, which had given, I think, this, the Federal Reserve this false sense of calm that, hey, we're doing our job. We're bringing prices down by raising interest rates. And they've been raising rates uh, since last uh, for the past several months, um, you know, by a half a point. Uh, in the last several meetings. And then this last meeting, they raised it 25 points, basically signaling, okay, we see the interest rate, or excuse me, the inflation numbers are uh, calming. It looks like we are, uh, our interest rate increases are having the desired effect. But now the numbers this morning are a little bit concerning. And perhaps uh, the Fed does not have their hand on the wheel like everyone thought they did. Uh, because remember, there's a lot of other things interest uh, are impacting inflation. It's not just interest rates. You know, for so many uh, months or years, really, we had supply chain issues that were driving inflation numbers. We had labor issues that are still a problem, uh, but wages had slowed down, and, and so uh, that is intermixed with the uh, rising interest rates. And so a lot of those problems, especially with the supply chains and uh, in, and uh, transportation rates had ha- have really calmed and uh, those those um, inflationary pressures have had had uh, uh, gone away for a lot of the uh, the economy leading us to believe that well look uh, the federal reserve has uh, really uh, gotten this under control they know what they're doing well this morning these numbers really call that into question perhaps the interest rate Increases that the Fed has done so far have not had uh, really the complete desired effect. Uh, it did, the inflation numbers weren't as low as the market had anticipated, and so this raises the issue again of how high for how long on the Fed funds rate, and uh, the Fed kind of put them uh, put themselves a little bit in a position uh, in the last meeting when they raised it twenty five points. Because they they're not going to come around in the next meeting and bump it up to fifty points. Uh, they're going to be steady as it goes. Uh, they don't want to shock anybody uh, too badly, uh, at any rate. And so, uh, what this perhaps does is leaves the Fed in a position of maintaining a path of raising rates by twenty five points for the next several meetings. And Jay Powell had already indicated in the last meeting. That at least a couple more times uh, would be uh, a couple more rate increases are in the offing. I think right now, uh, given with, given the uh, inflation numbers this morning and the very very strong jobs numbers that had came out uh, before that, uh, all point to the fact that the Federal Reserve's rate increases have ultimately not slowed the economy down enough, and uh, they're probably going to have to maintain this path of. Uh, further rate increases, at least at the bare minimum for the next couple of uh, meetings, perhaps, you know, into uh, well into the second half of the year, perhaps. Uh, but we'll see uh, that we're going to see what the data says coming in. But with the numbers uh, as high as they were this morning, 
I think uh, the the Federal Reserve is going to be taking their uh, uh, taking this very seriously about maintaining a path of at least uh, twenty five basis point increases at least for the next uh, few meetings. All right, so what what's your thoughts there, man? I mean, I'm I'm looking at this stuff and I, I'm watching, you know, I bought my house at two point seven five five percent interest rate, whatever it was, three years ago, whenever it was I moved into my house. And you know, to get the same house today, you're looking at uh, you know, six and a half percent interest, you know. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And so I mean you're tripling the amount of uh of the interest payment that you're paying by doing that, uh pretty close to that to that level. I mean, two and a half times for sure. <laughs> You take a look at that, and I still see houses that are being sold at above ask price. I still see uh, houses yes. being being pushed around. Um, there's pockets of, of places that you see, uh, you know, see some slowdown, but you still see a pretty strong housing market out there, even though with interest rates the way they are. What are your? I mean, what do you think some of this driving factor? I mean, it's not like wages have gone up to meet the inflation point. Um, no, we have wage we growth have, so. has really has not really been <clears throat> keeping keeping up with inflation at all. Yeah, so I mean, what's your <clears throat> that's, a, that's a problem. Yeah. Well, a couple of things on that, uh, Casey. One, we've got a very tight housing market, right? And so, even though you raise the <clears throat> excuse me the cost of borrowing, it's a situation for homeowners, right? Yeah, ha- the housing market may be strong. Uh, do they want to sell? And if you look at the borrowers, a lot of people uh, have been pushed away uh, because of the rising interest rates. And so the market isn't going to move much uh, because if you do sell, you're going to have to go buy another house someplace else. And so uh, that has further kept uh, the the uh, the housing market even tighter. And that's why housing, you know, housing prices haven't come down and people's ec- home equity still remains fairly elevated. And so that has perhaps perhaps given people, uh, consumers, a false sense of wealth, uh, that their home equity remains elevated. Uh, But at the same time, you brought up wages. That's a problem. Uh, The wage growth has not kept up with uh, the inflation. So real wages is actually negative. Uh, The real, real wage growth, when you subtract the inflation rate from the wage growth rate, that gives you real wage growth weight. And people have been taking uh, pay cuts. And so I think we have to keep an eye on what that what that means, especially in food and agriculture, because uh, consumers are going to have to cut um, around at least uh, on their durable goods. And then they're going to start tr- uh, trimming where they can on their food. And what that means in the grocery store, uh, well, we, we've kind of already seen this play out, play out now for the last several months, people going to private label, uh, people buying um, more efficient uh, uh, bulk packaging, or in some cases, uh, if they just don't have the dollars, they have to go to smaller packages. Uh, people going to uh, commodity products rather than premium products. All of those things consumers have already been doing, shopping at big box stores uh, and then instead, of, you know, to, instead of boutique uh, retailers. That's what they've already been doing. And now with the inflation numbers as high as they are, uh, that's going to push push even more and more people into this situation where they're going to have to really start getting very uh, smart on their dollars at the grocery store. And food is a hard thing to cut. (laughs) I mean, you can can, uh, can perhaps... Uh, push back your mortgage uh, a few months. You know you can work out. You you can work that out. You can hold off on paying your rent, uh, but you can't hold off on eating. 
And, you know, for better or for worse, you know, that that's good for us in agriculture. Consumers still have to eat. Not that we want to take advantage of that, but I think we can find solace in the fact that everyone in agriculture knows that they're needed. Uh, you can't go without a farmer and you can't go without food for too long. Right. So I think perhaps here we have uh, in a lot of the food and agriculture sector, some recession proof products. I know in dairy, the sector that I cover, uh, a lot of dairy products are recession proof. Uh, some products are more uh, are going to be more flexible. For instance, butter. Uh, butter has certain um, uh, replacement uh, or alternative products. Instead of cooking with butter, you can cook with vegetable oil, things like that, or margarine. Uh, there are cheaper alternatives out there that have the similar uh, function in the kitchen. Uh, people are definitely going to be cutting back at, the, at, at restaurants uh, even more. So I think these trends that we have seen for the past several months of the consumer hunkering down, uh, that is only going to continue further uh, into the year. Um, now, turn the conversation back to the Federal Reserve uh, and the job they have at hand. They're going to continue to keep raising rates for those of us who have to borrow money. Uh, for those of us in agriculture, especially where you're paying more on your operating loans uh, for agribusinesses that may have CapEx projects, the cost of doing those projects. Um, well, your interest expense is going to keep going up. Uh, there's only one direction really conceivable that is uh, where, where that's going to be going. So uh, the cost of borrowing is going to keep going up. And I think, you know, the, the, uh, the, the sentiment out there that we hear uh, in the industry from borrowers, from other partners uh, in agriculture is that uh, people are uh, cautiously hopeful. Uh, in that, um, you know, materials costs are going to go come down, uh, but the borrowing costs are going to keep going up. And so it's going to be more of a story of interest rate management uh, for borrowers. Uh, but at the same time, uh, for some companies uh, that are perhaps looking to expand or making, a, making an acquisition, if the Federal Reserve keeps raising rates and potentially pushes the U.S. economy into a recession, that might create acquisition opportunities uh, for some uh, in business, uh, in agribusiness, or perhaps even in agriculture, uh, with farmers looking to buy that piece of land across the road uh, if uh, other farmers can't afford it. So a whole lot of things here where it's, you can't just say that uh, rising interest rates is entirely bad. Uh, it depends upon what your goals are. Uh, it may create opportunities as well. Right on. Okay. All right. All good points there. Um, I think lastly, the one thing I kind of want to talk about just on this, this subject just real quick is just some of the stuff that was in the mix that, that showed that inflationary thing, which kind of goes back to what we talked about here. Rent was being one of those at the tight housing market. Even if you want to rent a house now, you can't hardly find a house to rent either. I mean, they're, they're about yep. as picked over as anything else is. But energy was the other thing that was there. So talk on the energy side, we've seen the price of energy really dramatically drop. And you know, we've seen some rises here a little bit, but it's still kind of hovering around that that you know, eighty mid eighties range somewhere in there. So I guess yeah. where where was the big influx in energy that that caused that inflationary jump, do you think? Oh boy. Well, I'm not an energy analyst. <laughs> so I only know what I read. 
Um, I think, um, well, as you pointed out, uh, rates have been coming down. Natural gas prices have been coming oh, yeah. down. Um, now, at, at, at the home level for the natural gas that, that's going into your home, your heating costs have yeah. been sky high. And I think that's more of a uh, uh, of a uh, situation well, got, where the yeah, all, like nat gas prices, yeah. for instance, have not flown flowed through yet all the way down to the rate pay payer okay. because you know that nat gas was bought and now it's got to be delivered, and so it's right. got to be flow it's got to flow through the pipeline, and by the time it gets to your home, it may be a lower price later on. Uh, okay, right. so it takes a little bit for those prices to ultimately reach the consumer. Uh, so I think that's that's a part of it. And um, our energy analyst at uh, CoBank, Terry Vishwanath, would give you a lot more uh, in-depth analysis on that. She can talk for right. several hours at a time, and she would love to do it. Uh, but th that's one of those things where although we've seen uh, you know, spot rates on uh, crude oil and that gas come down uh, from their peak several months ago, uh, sometimes it just takes a little bit for those prices to flow through. But from what I understand, really, uh, you know, it's the housing side, uh, the rents, uh, yeah. you know, those are, you know, those rent controls came off uh, several months ago. Uh, and so uh, after the pandemic. And so uh, I think landlords are probably trying to catch up for lost time, maybe. Yeah. And so that might be pushing some people into, uh, you know, financial insecurity. Right. But uh, again, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts there. Uh, one thing I would point out, this is something that a lot, a lot of people are not talking about, is that as interest rates are going up, uh, some of these delayed uh, payments on debt are going to be activated later this year, like student debt. Okay. So consumers are being squeezed now by inflation. They're being squeezed by rising interest rates. And now for all, for so many consumers, they're going to be hit with a third one here. And that is student loan payments that were put on pause. They're going to get reactivated. So we're going to see the U.S. consumer squeezed here in the next several months uh, if we don't see inflation come down sufficiently. So that alone might be the trigger that sends uh, you know that this, this trifecta of events into uh, the, causing the U.S. economy to go into recession. Uh, and a, a U.S. consumer that just doesn't have cash anymore, and right. they're going to have to start borrowing credit cards. They have to, you know, on their credit card numbers or, or uh, re, um, debt loads are already uh, ticking up again, and uh, that that tells you the consumers for a lot of people uh, they've run out of cash. Yeah, yep, yep. No, all that's fair because you white read the reports about uh, credit card uh, debt and those kind of things and how much it's gone up month over month over month so yeah that's that's a good point all right let's talk about milk for a little bit so milk <clears throat> the price of milk right now class three milk has uh really fallen off dramatically and that's but that's to put it nicely it's uh it's really come down from a 21 oh, yes. to 22 range down to now we're looking somewhere in the in the low 17s uh kind of hoving around that's also 29 yeah <clears throat> and they're floating around a little yep. bit so at that point milk's not no one's making any money producing milk right now so i mean it's just that makes it tough then you take a look at what's going on uh, at the uh, consumer level when you start looking at stuff at the grocery store every time i go to the grocery store for whatever reason the uh the dairy side of the of the uh, grocery store is is the least stock that feels like um whether it's milk butter cheese yogurt whatever it is all that stuff the struggle so 
I guess, you know, talk a little bit about what's happening in the milk market there and what's driving this. What, where, where was that? I mean, I know China has a lot to do with that and powdered milk and all that stuff, class four powdered milk, and those things are all starting to play into that too. But as this stuff starts to open back up, I mean, do you see some, some light to end the tunnel here? I guess. So, uh, to the point, yes, milk prices are down a lot. And how does that compute when you've got uh, short on dairy products in the grocery store? What's going on there? That's that's a logistics supply chain issue. Uh, the grocery store uh, lacking on lacking labor to stock the shelves. Uh, the yeah. supply is clearly there, as referent as indicated by price. Uh, so, what is going on on, uh, on the price of milk and dairy products, which uh, globally have been under pressure? Again, uh, that's not really flowing through so much on the CPI numbers yet. That takes a little bit uh, for those numbers really to cascade down to the consumer. But globally, we're seeing uh, milk prices come down. Um, one of the big contributors uh, is the fact that China is producing more milk. Uh, China, the Chinese government is very aware of the uh, ESG initiatives in Europe and New Zealand to reduce methane emissions and thereby reducing uh, cow numbers. Uh, and so that has sufficiently scared the Chinese who are the uh, the biggest dairy importers in the world. And so uh, even though it may not be making money to produce milk in China, the government has subsidized it and uh, tried to turn the knob on that and increase production in the face of this declining, uh, or the threat of declining production in uh, threat, or excuse me, in uh, uh, Europe and New Zealand. So rising uh, milk production in China is a big one. At the same time, uh, the weather over in Europe has been very, very benign. Uh, it's been a fairly warm winter there. And so uh, their productivity has increased. Uh, farmers are still getting paid uh, high milk prices by their co-ops. Even though uh, world price of milk has come down, European farmers are contracted at different levels right now, and so they're still incentivized to grow production. Um, and it, this is coalesced the, with uh, the warmer weather there. So you've got uh, a cr production across the board there, uh, really strong production in the main producing uh, countries, especially like Germany and France and Britain, all showing strong increases in uh, milk production there. And then at the same time, uh, the, the European economy is struggling, and so consumption is down a little bit. And so that pushes even more European uh, dairy products onto the export market at, this, at a time when the Chinese are producing more milk. And that, that creates a supply-demand imbalance, uh, less demand uh, coming out of, uh, from China more supply coming out of Europe and then here in the United States same thing we have uh, we've we have had at least a steadily growing herd up until the last uh, milk report we saw uh, the US dairy herd come back a little bit uh, because cow slaughter is starting to pick up that's a big reason but uh, productivity continues to go up as well and so we've got uh, sufficient milk supply here in the United States at a time when we've got plenty of supply globally. And so now we are seeing uh, milk below uh, cost of production. And that ultimately is going to cause some pain for a while uh, for the U.S. Uh, dairy farmer. And ultimately, that's going to catch up with European farmers as well uh, to reduce their production. But that's going to take a little bit, unfortunately. So a lot of things going on there as to why we see 
uh, falling milk prices. At the same time, feed costs are still fairly elevated, unfortunately. And so uh, that is really going to uh, impact the farmer's cash flow <laughs> and their uh, feed uh, is not what it used to be, clearly, uh, with milk prices having come off their record highs. So uh, painful time right now for producers. Uh, I'd say uh, with all that bad news, uh, we got to end it with a positive story. We had record exports last year. That's a that's a win, and hopefully with declining dairy uh, product prices, uh, we're going to see a stronger export pace. Um, you know, when we uh, are struggling with a, still a fairly strong dollar, uh, hopefully our uh, lower export or, or uh, uh, dairy product prices are going to buy us a little bit more market share globally. Um, that's taking the long view. Hopefully, we can uh, expand our market share. Uh, longer term, but uh, sometimes it just takes low pr a period of low prices in order to do that. Right on. Okay. Well, good stuff as usual, Tanner. Folks, want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing over at CoBank. What's the best way to do that? You can go to cobank.com, c o b n k dot com, and uh, you can find our research at knowledge on the Knowledge Exchange tab. Right on. Okay. Man, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Hey, always, always glad to be here. Thanks, man. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and check out the video version of this over on the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Check that out there. Uh, go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related and get all the information from the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. If you want to get $50 off your registration fee, uh, just be the first 150 people to sign up, and Axon Tire will take care of that for you. So, with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Tanner Emke. Too smart, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher, time and time again. Through the years, you'll find us here. Moving higher.